5AA Breakfast. David Penberthy and Will Goodings. Weekdays from 6 till 9 on Adelaide's 5AA. 22 minutes to 8 still to come this morning. Jane Riley will join us. She's having a sneak peek at the fourth and final pageant float, the new one to be revealed. It's going to happen officially later today, but if you stay listening, Jane will tell you probably more than she's allowed to before 9 o'clock today. Also, the LGA will join us after 8 o'clock to talk about a raft of reforms they've accepted that the state government has uh, suggested it might be smart to take on board. The two headliners being the CEO's pay will now be determined by an independent tribunal. Uh, and uh, the one that we unanimously think is is an excellent move is the idea that now councillors, prospective councillors, will have to declare any political party allegiance. We'll talk more about that later. And if you've got a thought, we'd love to hear it. 8223 0000. It's time to talk courts because Sean Fuster is with us from the Tizer. Morning to you, Sean. Guys, there is no truth to the rumour that the new pageant float is based around me. <laughs> That'd be there is no City of Evil float. That would be a dark float, wouldn't it? I, te- I tell you what, though, they could do one about Riot City Wrestling this weekend, the Riot City Rumble, Latvian Hall, Wavell, 7.30 onwards. If it's a vote between Riot City Wrestling float or City of Evil float, I'm going the wrestling 30 one. wrestlers flying over the top rope, that they make a excellent. great float. That would be much excellent. Yeah, well, you, you, you think Christmas, you think wrestling. That, absolutely. Well, you guys yeah. come at Christmas, so we're going to have to <laughs> yeah, get you there. Right? Saturday yeah. night, Latvian Hall, Wavell. Oh, I love the Latvian Hall. Had our son's first birthday party there. It's a terrific venue. Now, Sean, Zainab Abdullah Khalif, the Somalian... Khalif. Abdurrahman Khalif, the, the Somalian woman, Somalian-Australian woman. How many years was she in prison awaiting this the conclusion of this trial? I'm no good at math, but I worked it out to be 891 days. Yeah. When you add from the moment of arrest right through to the acquittal, because this is what we're talking about, of course, last week, the uh, stunning judgment, majority decision by the full court of the Court of Criminal Appeal to acquit her of membership of ISIS. So full court is three judges? Three judges. You had Chief Justice Chris Caracas, Justice Parker, Greg Parker, and also Justice Trish Kelly sitting on the bench. And Trish Kelly... Justice Kelly was the dissenting judge. That's right. So the way it works with the full court of the Court of Criminal Appeal, or any full court, is that majority rules. So two judges decided, you know what, this conviction shouldn't stand, and we'll get into the reasons in a minute. And Justice Kelly said, no, you know what, the original judge and everything got it completely right, we're fine to go. You may remember, and listeners may remember, that one of the things that Abdirman Khalif complained about was the way the judge handled the trial. Mm. This is the one that almost mistried before it began because the judge told the jury, Paul, oh, you're going to see beheadings, you're going to see bodies exploded, you're going to see body parts all over the place, men, women, and children slaughtered during this. So I just want to warn you, it's going to be traumatic. And then prosecution defense stood up and said, "Uh, no, Your Honor, you're not. We're not going to show anything like that at all. (laughs) So there was a complaint about the judge's handling of the case. All three judges agreed that the judge did everything right. Okay. There's no problem with what the original trial judge did in his handling of the case. The problem came down to federal law. And this is what the you and I were having a discussion about off air a minute ago. Hmm. Because the judges came back, two judges, and said, effectively, the definition of a member of a terrorist organization in federal law is too broad. It catches everybody. Hmm. Catches anybody that's looked in the direction of an ISIS member who has been forced to live under their rule who has married into a family and suddenly discovered that somebody's a member of ISIS, that whole guilt by association idea, similar to the bikey laws that we had back in 2010 when the Labor government was trying to push them through. You know, the moment you breathed in the direction of a bikey, you were subject to a control order. But isn't the point that she did a little bit more than that? I mean, there's nothing particularly accidental about her interest in ISIS. Absolutely right. And I agree with you 100%. Everything that she did, and the court did say, 
there was evidence to prove that she did everything that she was accused of. Listening to ISIS songs in her bedroom, recording an oath of fealty, speaking to terrorist sympathizers in other countries, things like that. But they said that doesn't meet the definition of membership. My wife put it really bluntly. You've got to have a white hood to be a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. And that's what we're talking about here. You, you actually have to take active steps to become a member. Now, had she made it to Turkey, as she was originally trying to do, then maybe they could have charged her with that. But there are other, other offences, terrorism-related offences, that catch this sort of behaviour. The court was basically saying, well, charge her for what she did and prosecute her for what she did. Don't prosecute her for this global concept of it smells like terrorism, therefore you're a member of a terrorist organization. Could that still happen, or is that horse bolted now? That horse is bolted now. Originally, when she was first arrested, she was charged with, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's along the lines of trying to enter a foreign combat zone. Hmm. Which, if you remember the um, the ISIS doctor from Adelaide? Mm. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah. He's still they, over there, isn't they, he? Yeah, that's right. They wanted to charge him with that offense. Hmm. This whole idea of leaving a safe place and going into a combat zone. That's what she was originally arrested for and charged with. They dropped that when they decided, oh, there's enough evidence here to get her on being a member of ISIS. They aimed high, and at the last bar have failed. In and the again, eyes of two out of three judges. So of one, of the, of three one judges. of the three judges thinks she should still be behind bars. Yeah, Justice Trish Kelly, who's a former federal prosecutor, said, no, look, at the end of the day, we can't limit the concept of terrorism. It's too big, it's too dangerous, it's too unwieldy, it's too worrying. If it smells like terrorism, prosecute them as a terrorist. Okay. Okay, so setting aside the... the intelligent, intellectual, and at times academic legal debate about this. I don't think many people sitting home listening right now are going, oh, I feel very comfortable with this this outcome. Really? No. See, I'm always worried, and I get told off for this a lot, I'm always worried by the concept of guilt by association. One of the things that Justice Karak has pointed out in the lead judgment saying that she should be acquitted is, are we going to then charge anybody who's lived in a terrorist-controlled area? Because technically they are sympathisers. They might not have a but, choice. But, they but might be under but the duress. Point, the point there, though, I'd say, Sean, is that that goes to the key question of whether it's accidental or intentional. And I'm saying, again, that if there is intent and if there is actual action, then there are charges for that. If there aren't charges for that, but why aren't were, we writing But it was more? intentional. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Their involvement was intentional. And I'm not saying it wasn't, and I'm not certainly not in any way, shape, or form excusing what she did. What I'm saying is that there are existing charges to deal with that, why aren't you charging for that rather than going for the headline-grabbing, oh, look, terrorist member in Adelaide? But you mm. see, to broaden it out and to put it in the context of the I'm saying there's the a political right? element to this is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, get, I, I, get, I get the sort of libertarian criticism of things like the bikey laws, but I, I don't buy the, if it could happen to someone like her, what's to stop it happening to other people too line of argument. Because in the context of the bikies, and there was that story about a month ago about the last Hell's Angels the the, la- the last bikey headquarters in South Australia, the Hell's Angels headquarters, has now been sold to a private developer. Last known bikey headquarters. Yeah, but if you wind back the clock 15, 20 years ago, there were about 10 gangs in South Australia or maybe a dozen gangs in South Australia that had these these big shop front, CCTV, razor-wide setups dotted around the, the suburbs. And under the association laws... It's given the police the power to say, listen, you're not going on your macho rides, you know, sitting there with your Harleys and your, your mm. colours and you're not having your big headquarters where you can all, you know, get together and hang out on the weekends and disrupt people's lives. I would say that that type of unpleasantness, it's good to have a, a legislative mechanism to dismantle and disrupt those organisations. And I agree with you, but here's the thing. That law that you're talking about, that good law, is the second bounce version of the law. 
Yeah, after they got the it right high the court, time. Yeah. they got it right the second time. After the high court sat down and looked at it and said, you know what? The definition of member is too broad. We need to bring yeah, it back is, but the, to the, actually arresting those who are going to pose a threat. I don't want to be too callous about this, but isn't in part the reality here that the wanton disregard for the law and unpleasantness of bikey gangs and what they do is a very different level to what a terrorist group does that actually ooh, aims ooh. to go out and kill large numbers of innocent people. Which he was and into. I reckon, I reckon if you're ringing up and you're hanging out with them and chatting with them on the phone and reading their stuff and recording pledges of loyalty... Look, in the court of one being me, you're done. And or you and Trish Kelly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Then why aren't we making good law? The only thing that stops evil acts is good law. That. And if you doesn't want make to me feel good him, about this case. Though. No, look, and I but don't. I don't good. dispute that. Does Chris Caracas is he, is he the ultimate arbiter? Is the Chief Justice? He's on a Chris Caracas. Is, is he it, the ultimate arbiter of what makes a good law? Or is it the Australian Parliament? Unless and until it goes to the High Court, which is the ultimate arbiter of these things. Let's be honest. Mm. That's why the High Court exists. So we'll see whether the Federal Attorney General is prepared to take this to the High Court. If they do. The question then becomes, if the High Court comes back and says, no, the full court was wrong, the laws are fine, what happens to Zainab Abdurrahman Khalif? Does she go back in to finish her sentence? Do they say, okay, it's all washed? The great logical flaw for me in all of this is that she's, she's now been acquitted, she's a free woman, and the, the, the original judgment does not stand, meaning that you know, presumably she, she doesn't pose the, the level of threat that she was believed to pose to our community. Why is the community, the Somali community here in Adelaide, so determined to get her into a de-radicalisation program? Because they're just as concerned about it as everybody else is. Oh, no, I'm not having a crack at them. But I'm saying that if, if the courts in their eternal wisdom have said, no, nope, you're free to go, why, why is she being de-radicalised? Because the courts didn't say she didn't do what she was accused of. They're saying that what she did didn't match the charge. Mm-hmm. A did not match B. Tab A yeah. did not slot into slot B. And yeah, it is indeed an intellectual argument. But here's the point to go with that. One of the reasons that the Somali community is so busy getting her de-radicalised is because nobody else did. Yeah. The 891 days she spent in prison, she had no access to de-radicalisation programs, no access to rehab programs, because the way it works in South Australia is until you're justified for pre-release, you don't get rehab stuff. And the Federal Attorney General, Christian Porter, saw fit to write to him in August and say, no, look, we're going to block her parole. She hasn't de-radicalised enough. So by saying that she hadn't de-radicalised enough, unbeknownst to the Attorney General, she was denied access to de-radicalisation programs. So had she completed her full sentence, had the appeal not succeeded, she would have been let out in May with no supervision, no watch, no way of controlling her, and no de-radicalisation except for the Somali community and her parents bogging in and saying, all right, mm. let's get you trauma counselling, let's get you this, let's get you that. So that you, let's take out race, take out terrorism for a minute, right? This is the equivalent of a really good Catholic family suddenly finding out that their kid's sitting in the bedroom listening to death metal and planning a school shooting. Mm. That's what this is. And this family have gone, this girl of ours is doing against everything we believe in, everything we left that country for, everything we want to try to achieve here, we need to rehab her, we need to do something because nobody else is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Does she the have... community's not she, on trial. That's right. No, did she, did she have the, dangerous thoughts? This is about an individual. That's right. Did she have dangerous thoughts? Absolutely. Did she do some truly stupid things and some dangerous things? Absolutely. But does that meet the test of terrorism? That's the question that the court had to deal with. So the court's not mm. saying in any way, shape, or form, she's safe, she's fine. They're not saying she didn't do these things. 
They're saying that the gravamen of the allegations, while a crime, does not meet the crime of being a member of a terrorist It still strikes me as a gamble. And, and the fact that it wasn't a, 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 a unanimous but a majority judgment when you've got one eminent jurist. Yeah, like right. someone who Kelly. does this for a living who said, no. Nah. Mm. Someone who has been on the other side and been a federal prosecutor too. Very, very learned jurist there, mm. Chris Kelly. Mm. Great analysis, mate. Yeah, Thanks, fascinating. Guys. Good on you, mm. Sean. Sean Fuster does it better than anyone in the business. It's 11 to 8. From the cinematic universe of J.J. Abrams comes the space strategy game Star Trek Fleet Command. Be the commander of your own missions. Customize your fleet of starships. Assemble a crew of new and familiar faces. Choose your weapons to prepare and lead your crew in epic battles. Every moment counts in these real-time battles. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Star Trek Fleet Command. Download free today on the App Store or Google Play.